0: Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Roy Palmer, who is an Alexander Technique teacher in Bedford, England. That's about 50 miles north of London. Roy, welcome to the program. Thank you, Robert. Roy uh, has made somewhat of a specialty of both writing about and working with people uh, in the area of fitness and sports in athletics. And that's an interesting area for for the Alexander Technique because it's not one that's received the attention that I think it deserves. And so I've asked Roy to talk today with us a little about what the Alexander Technique has to offer for athletes. Roy?
1: Right. Well, I think it's a whole new angle um I mean, i've described it as a, as a, adding a new dimension to their training and to their skills um, you know athletes will um, all sports people will generally take things like nutrition and their training very seriously but uh, but neglect what, what you know as alexander teaches we would know is one of the most important areas and and that is how they move how they apply themselves not the technique you know all sports generally have techniques involved but how they apply themselves to actually carry out their techniques. I tend to see athletes when they've injured themselves or they've started to have problems with recurring injuries. Um, and, you know, obviously it would be better if we could get them to the technique earlier before they have these injuries. And so quite often athletes, they, they will have the sort of lessons and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an eye-opener for them. You know, they've never considered whether they run efficiently or whether they, you know, use their body for whatever sport they're doing in a particular way. It's something they've picked up at an early age, and um, as I said, would just assume that what they do is the best way they can do it.
0: Maybe uh, Uh, it might be useful here just to clarify something for our listeners. Um, There's, there's a. Unfortunately, I guess there's the same word technique, that applies to how an athlete. Um, does whatever he or she does, uh, like say a football technique or a baseball yeah. technique or, or fencing technique or whatever, and then there, then there is what we're we're talking about here, which is the Alexander technique, which I suppose could be defined, and maybe you could, you would could weigh in on this as a technique of techniques. That is, yeah. it's kind of. Uh, If you've decided to do your sport a certain way, the Alexander Technique can help you to do that to, to carry out that decision in the most efficient way. Would that be a fair summary of, of what yeah, we're Yeah, I, I sort about? of
1: try, try to describe it as an underlying technique or, or a, the base fundamental technique mm-hmm. of how they then go off and perform their other techniques. Mm-hmm. Um, and by allowing them, you know, by showing them a different way of doing it. Um, I've been working a lot with golfers lately and they will have their particular swing technique. Um, and to show them through various basic movements, um, how they can use their body with less effort and then take that back into their sports. So I'd always work with them away from their sport to start with. Mm-hmm. Just basic movements, so I just call it body basics, you know, look, you your, hin, you know, your hips um, articulate from this point, this is where you can move and turn your head from, etc. And to give them an experience of a different way of moving, without the effort they tend to associate with their normal everyday activities. And so by performing these particular everyday functions, the getting in and out of a chair, standing, walking, bending, with less effort, you will then see them start to take it back into their other techniques, like how they stand at the tee, or how they stand with their racket in their hand, ready at the baseline, and start to notice things that they've been doing there that hasn't helped. Mm -hmm. So whether they are stiffening their neck or whether they're tightening their lower backs, So I say to me, it opens up this new dimension where you can appreciate things from your technique, your sporting techniques, that maybe you haven't noticed before, purely because you've performed them so many times that they're a deeply inlaid habit, and they're doing things they are unaware of.
0: Mm -hmm. So um, I'm not a golfer myself, but I can imagine, just to take golfing as an example, a lot of golfers who're serious about it go to professional golfers and in the in the states anyway take courses in golfing and go off to Arizona or somewhere and spend a week learning learning uh how to improve their game so part of that i assume is having a professional golf instructor look at look at the way you stand and swing and offer suggestions what is it that the Alexander technique, especially say taught by an Alexander teacher, who doesn't even play golf, what what could the Alexander technique offer a golfer that that the golf professional would Can't, not? I think yeah. that's kind of a, a, an important question to address here.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't play golf, um, you know, and yes, it's to look at what have they been told by their their golf coach. How are they carrying out that instruction? And often, from the golfers I've worked with, the golf coach won't see the things that we would look for, like maybe even just tightening their jaw a fraction, whether they're lifting their shoulders a fraction. And they will say, oh, my coach has told me to relax. But again, a lot of people look at somebody who's collapsing as relaxing. And so we can give, them, give that player something that will help them interpret the instructions from their coach in a more uh, efficient, better manner. I mean, I was down the, uh, down the driving range a few weeks ago um, with, uh, with a chap there who's in his mid-50s, been playing golf for many years. And it was interesting. I just focused on one particular aspect. He was lifting his shoulders a tiny amount. Until he put hands on, you wouldn't have even seen it. But with by getting him to, this was to form a swing, by releasing that we got about an extra 10 yards out of his swing now he was quite pleased with that because mm-hmm. he did, you know he felt he'd got as far he, as he could go with his swing
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it was interesting there was a chap having lessons from a coach on the um uh, you know on the, the, the part next to us and it was interesting listening to the instructions he was giving there were so many instructions he was firing at this young lad i thought he wouldn't possibly be able to carry all of those out and so again maybe with our sort of Simplified approach, you know. To say, say to this chap, don't worry about your golf swing. You know, you've done it enough times to know what that's about. Let's just see if you're doing anything that's preventing you doing what you think you should be doing. And so it's it's pointing out the don'ts, you know, rather than this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was great, we, you know, I mean, as I say, I'm not a professional golfer, I've watched a lot of um, a golf player. even, um, I've watched enough golfers to be able to see when someone's swinging, nicely. and as Alexander teaches, we can watch any sporting event, and pick out those who have poise and have good movement, and it does cha- generally tend to be the people at the top of their sport, Roger Federer is a great example, mm-hmm. um, you know, the freedom of his movement, how quickly he recovers his balance, and to watch him in slow motion, you know, is poise in action. You know, he quickly recovers his um, position. He hardly ever tightens anything, stiffens his neck, but he moves so freely. And, uh, and and you can see in players that don't have that freedom of movement why they tend to get injured more or why they're not performing as well as they think they should be. And so, as a, yeah, with the Alexander technique, it, it I feel it simplifies people's sports and allows them to see it for what it should be rather than getting themselves tied in knots
0: Mentally right, and physically
1: right. trying to perform a technique
0: right and if if i could add a little bit to that uh, yeah, sure. or maybe f- um come at it from a slightly different um way of looking at it uh your example of a golfer who was hunching his shoulders a little and you were able to see that and to basically show him a very simple method i uh, of of not doing that right and is that Absolutely, would that be yeah. kind of the essence of it now I, i'm going to guess that some golf professionals who if they were teaching this this person might also see that hunching of the shoulders and might also make the connection between that hunching and maybe the 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 swing not being quite as effective but they are generally going to say something as you said like relax your shoulders and the problem is that that instruction isn't actually likely to be very useful if the golfer Was able to relax his shoulders at will, he would be doing it. Yes, absolutely. And already. And Mm. to tell someone to relax their shoulders is not such a useful strategy because they're going to interpret that in a way that, as you said, might very well be collapse or. Yeah pull the other way which isn't going to improve things any so i think the, a big advantage of the alexander technique is this very simple intervention strategy of seeing a particular pattern and teaching that that's just, that's not helping the, the movement and and um, working out a way that the student can basically just say no to this uh, yes, it's, it's, it
1: comes down to the old means whereby, isn't it? Yes, we don't want to give them something else to do. I say, listening to this coach next to me, he was giving this young lad about 10 things to do mm-hmm. before he even started to move. Yes, it's, this is what you don't have to do, non-doing. And Actually, I find a lot of sports people really appreciate this, the non-doing aspect,
0: mm-hmm. to
1: get them to think but not to do it. And I, actually, I found the other thing a lot of sports people tend to appreciate is this: the idea of the ground reaction force. You know, there is a floor underneath you that's providing all the support you need. Try and take that up through to the top of your head so you're not holding anything anywhere. And a lot of sports people really appreciate that, mm-hmm. whether they're, you know, um, addressing the ball in golf, whether, say, they're sort of at the baseline, or whether they're running. Mm-hmm. Because obviously, you know, ask Malcolm about ground reaction forces. You know, it's it's to get the runners to appreciate that they can let the floor do most of what they need to do, to right. take it from
0: the floor. And and the Malcolm that we're referring to is uh, not Malcolm in the middle or <laughs> or any of the other uh, Malcolms, but uh, Malcolm, oh, other famous Malcolms, but Malcolm Bach, who's an Alexander teacher in Montreal and will be, who works a lot with running specifically in the Alexander technique. And we'll hopefully be talking to him quite soon. Um what i i think might i think someone listening to this uh, is sort of picking up on the idea that the alexander technique is is uh more subtle perhaps than usual instructions that an athlete might get and i wonder they someone might think well that's fine for something like golfing which is you know where the it's it's a it is i guess you could say a more subtle sport in some ways than let's say american football or british rugby or wrestling or boxing or something or something that's that there was more umph to it how would how would the alexander ideas apply in those cases well, I've worked with rugby players
1: uh, and quite a few martial artists. I mean, they don't get much more subtle than that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and whatever your sport, really, if if you can apply uh, a little bit more intelligence, uh, and uh, you know, that does actually that sounds quite condescending, doesn't it? But to uh, to apply this different angle to your training, to realise where you're making things harder than they need to be, and certainly with the martial artists, oh, I've worked, I did work with a boxer about five years mm-hmm. ago. And if you can say to someone who's, whether they do boxing, martial arts or trying to tackle in rugby or American football, if they can learn how to increase the amount of power that they can deliver and their speed by actually doing a little less, then most of them do actually pick up on that. Uh, and it's, it's to show uh, you know, people, whatever their sport, however active or um, uh, what's the word, involved it is, they can still be thinking as they're performing. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you know, martial artist or the fencer that I worked with, you know, found that they developed um, a couple of extra yards of speed, if you like, by taking out all of the unnecessary actions they were bringing. Um, I mean, I was a second Dan at karate before I discovered the Alexander technique, and I suddenly developed so much more speed by realizing that I'd been tying myself up in knots before I tried to deliver a punch. It's the getting set thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you've got to release that before you can move. Whereas if you can stay free and poised, then, um, you know, you can. You haven't got to try and release that unnecessary effort, uh, as the unnecessary tension before you move. And my kicks gained speed, they gained height, simply because, as I say, it's like taking the brake off. And, and it does help you develop more control. So, yeah, regardless of the sport, whether it is subtle, um, you know, the, the subtler sports, or certainly the more uh, vigorous, or ones that involve a lot of uh, contact. Now it can still provide people with um, a whole new weapon to their armory um, by applying what they can learn with the Alexander technique.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, uh, at some point earlier, I think you mentioned Roger Federer as uh, as a tennis player, and and ha- exhibits very very mm-hmm. graceful, very um, efficient, we could say, use of himself in playing. I mean he. Uh, moves very easily. And I can think of another example, an older example, that probably is more familiar to um, um, Americans' uh, Muhammad Ali, the boxer in his early days, um, who was kind of famous for being incredibly agile on his feet. Yeah, he, it's he was about uh, he was
1: about 18 stone, wasn't he? But he well, really did float like a butterfly and sting like a bee. Right. And it's, it's great to watch the early fights of it, Ali. Exactly.
0: And, and yet, 18, 18 stone is an English system of weight. Sorry, but yeah, to say to say convert that. that to but he was weight. relatively uh, in size. in terms of his size, he was he was often fighting people who who had more bulk. More muscle bulk than him, but he was very quick on his feet, very agile, and he could not have done that if he had if he had not if he had the kind of extraneous uh, interfering habits that we've been talking about. Now, someone like Muhammad Ali or or Federer, or other very really talented athletes, um, they in a sense they've kind of achieved it would seem what one would hope with Alexander lessons is that these people were sort of naturals and other people are have lost that natural ability Uh, how would you see that yeah I think there are definitely
1: people who are naturals Um, I think and it wasn't I think Federer is also a very good soccer player Um, and I -hmm. believe he could have played for Switzerland and you don't tend to see that players who are really good at one sport tend to be very good at a number of sports. So I wonder whether it comes down to having natural ability as far as balance is concerned, coordination, but also observation. It's it's one thing to be very fit and to be agile, but Federer also has to know what shot he's going to play. You know, he has to be thinking ahead of the game. And so I think there are there are these people who are natural with the the physical attributes, but also this ability to be able to to stay in the moment a Federer very rarely looks as if he's panicking um and it's interesting also I wonder I had this theory years ago I've not really followed it up whether some of the training methods that um sports people use actually causes them to lose that natural ability if you look at Federer compared to most other male tennis players he's a lot lighter he doesn't have the bulk in the in the arm muscles. Um, Andrew, Andrew Murray um, has bulked up quite a bit lately and actually he is improving although I think I must have been one of the few people in the UK that wanted Federer to win in the Australian Open because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of his but if you compare Federer to a lot of other players he, he doesn't have that bulk and as I said, I did this theory, whether, you know, people try to, you know, um, they do their fitness training, they work with weights, but whether that sometimes knocks out this natural freedom of movement that a lot of us do have to a certain degree, but others like Federer and Ali have in spades. Um, and so that's, that's another matter. But I also sort of when you look at these people being interviewed, the top people of their sports also do seem to be um, poised in every way you know they uh, michael johnson you know the sprinter mm-hmm. uh, 400 meter runner you know they they just seem to have this air about them that so, i don't think it all comes down to physical but of course you know in the alexander well, we don't try we we try to avoid using terms physical and mental because we do
0: know that it's the same thing at the end of the day they're really two aspects of of the same is, thing yeah. so but again now from the point of view of someone listening to this who's not a roger federer or a Muhammad ali but is is interested in sports activities or any kind of fitness activity and feels that maybe they're not doing what they want to do quite as well as yeah. they would like to um how would you how would you typically typically work with someone to help them identify what they're doing that's in what they're inadvertently doing—that's getting in their way—and how to, how to release that. And I, I, obviously, you can't promise a, a tennis player they're going to become as good as, as as Federer. But what what kind of direction are you, would you be taking people in with with lessons? Well, I I always start them with the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to so you get at, them you get them away from the. I sport. get them away
1: from their tennis rackets, their clubs, mm-hmm. their you know, mm-hmm. not in their. Hit. Mm-hmm. to to look at something as basic as the chair to build up this idea of movement and effort and when you say the so, chair
0: you you're talking about an alexander technique yeah, process called chair it, work yeah. which is basically just standing up and sitting down right yeah. which so something as simple as a simple and easy as that. everyday yeah. activity within which to show someone some basic ideas
1: yeah is, and, uh, it's really to to open up their their sort of eyes, uh, and most of us probably had this experience with our first session, where we were asked to get out of a chair, and found we did all manner of things. You know, we put our hands on our legs, we pulled our heads back, we pushed forward with our chest, we tightened the lower back. We did all of these things that were completely unnecessary to get out of the chair, and so working with a sports person who may you know be you know highly sort of, um, technically in a technical sport uh, and very. Um, skilled in that to bring them right back to something as basic as getting out of a chair and just to highlight to them where they're making things harder than it needs to be with most of them, you can almost see their minds racing ahead thinking well what do i do when i'm serving or what do i do when i'm running and Mm -hmm. so it is it's just a sort of um, a very quick example that you can do and obviously if you can get them to prevent or to stop doing those particular activities and give them the experience that they almost float out of the chair, then again you can see in thinking, if I can do this in my sport, then they start to see the benefits. And so really it's to try and give them that early experience. Of course, sometimes it doesn't work that quickly. Some need a lot more. But then it's to build it up from that, right? If we can get in and out of a chair without doing all of those things you think you need to do, let's have a look at walking. Right. can't get a light spring mm. in us in the step when we walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's really trying to turn off all of those unnecessary bits and pieces they're adding.
0: So again, just to, to, to clarify for our listeners, the particular sort of Alexander Technique teaching strategy you're describing is to work with people in totally ordinary, non-pressured type activities as a way of showing them some ways of organizing or reorganizing themselves that they can then carry over into what might be the reason they came to you in the first place, which is to play tennis better or whatever. Um, Now, in addition, however, I I know from what you said earlier that you, at some point, perhaps not right away, you would actually, if, if a golfer came to you for a lesson, you would go get them to... Yeah, do bring, some golfing, and yeah, and you work the, with them, or yeah. I know I often work with with runners, and I get them out on the sidewalk in front of my house, and and off mm. they go, yeah. uh, much to the amazement of my of my neighbors. So could you say so? So that's a sort of another way of teaching people, and and from what you what you're saying, your your approach generally would be to start working in not the activity that the person is most interested in but Ge- then, yeah. but then that, that, move towards the actual yeah. sports activity
1: that would be the general approach i mean sometimes with runners i'll do a group course for runners and so we just go out on you know down to the park and straight away but i always start them walking first mm-hmm. um but generally if possible uh, yes it would be to start them where and, uh, some teachers will go straight into activity and there's not a problem with that at all mm-hmm. um but again it's being able to find that it's to create that little light bulb moment isn't it that gets mm-hmm. them switched on Mm -hmm. Quite often you may get people there, they've just come along and they're thinking, who on earth is this person to tell me about my sport if they don't even play it? Um, But if you can get that little light bulb turning on just one little thing they were doing that maybe they didn't realise they were doing, then you have their attention. Mm -hmm. And and yes, it's just finding the way to do that, really. And uh, as I say, with the trained eye, then quite often you can watch them performing a sport that maybe you know nothing about. But as I say, it's just looking for those telltale signs that an Alexander Technique teacher would recognize as a performance-limiting action.
0: Mm -hmm. And and, uh, I might just mention that one of those telltale signs would be a a tendency for a performer to stiffen or tighten their neck a little bit as they go into the performance. And I know just from... uh, um, watching TV from time to time, it's it's interesting t- for me to watch uh, ice skating competitions and to uh, just watch the the skater's head neck relationship and see how that compares with what the judges have to say about the the skater or the ratings the skater gets. And I found that pretty much universally, the skaters that get marked off uh, for not being as good as they might, you'll see a little bit of excess tension sneaking into their neck. And often the best way to see that is to turn the sound down on the TV. So you're just look, just going for the visual. And, and you can see there's just a tiny bit of... Ex- pulling their head back onto their neck. It's often very subtle Mm -hmm. that there's a pretty, pretty direct correlation between that and the quality of the performance. So an Alexander teacher working, let's say with a skater would, would call that to uh, a skater's attention and and give them a strategy for not doing that. Would that be fair to say from, from your perspective?
1: Absolutely. Um, I mean, to look at you know or the jaw I mean sometimes the tension in the jaw just not always is, yes, in the neck exactly. yeah. but uh, straight away you're interfering with your head writing reflexes exactly um, but with and, the, the, the nice yeah. thing
0: about the head neck relationship as an intervention point and as an observation point yeah. is that yeah. you can often see it really clearly mm. uh, say on tv or or if you're actually at a at a uh, competition or sports event and um so well is is there anything else that you would like to say to an athlete listening to this that um well really, I mean to go and try
1: a session with an Alexander teacher, if it mm-hmm. works for them, then they're going to get so much more from it than mm-hmm. they'd ever expected, and it's not we we've been talking about the physical you know a a sports person listening would probably think of everything we've talked about as being the physical but there's so much more to the technique than that and actually one just to touch on it briefly one of the main benefits i think of learning the alexander's technique is to get you in the state of mind where you are in the here and now where which is what i see as the first stage to getting into the zone and mm-hmm. when you're in the zone then everything is just so much easier mm-hmm. and so it really is an all-encompassing You know, we do tend to think of physical training and then they talk about sports psychology and mental training, but the Alexander Technique has all of that, Mm -hmm. all encompassing, because what Alexander did was was quite remarkable, really, Um, you know, the theory, the philosophy that he developed through practical means – and mm-hmm. so there's so much more that they could learn with the technique that isn't purely just related to their physical or technique. It's related to their you know state of mind, which obviously all professional athletes know is key to a you know um, a peak performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, to watch the people that are the best in their sport, and to see what it is that they are not doing. Everybody looks for like you know Roger Federer's serve or his technique. Mm-hmm. Um, But it's to look at them and see how free and easy they appear to be in their movement Mm -hmm. and ask themselves, do I look like that? Am I trying too hard? Mm -hmm. And if you're trying, Bruce Lee would say, if you're trying, you're wasting effort. That's Um, a great quote. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, there's there's a lot. And I think
0: the word try is an interesting one because it generally connotes... uh, it generally gets interpreted as a little extra effort. Yeah, yeah. Extra i extra I've said to people, you know, if, you know, if
1: banging your head against a brick wall isn't working, don't bang it any harder. Right. And it's an interesting question to ask every sports person. What do you do when you say to yourself, I'm going to try harder today? And mm-hmm. for most of us, that just means we're going to grit our teeth, furrow our brows, and tighten our necks because yes, it's effort. Mm-hmm. And yet you ask most sports people, I always like to ask them, what was their best performance or their best experience? Did that, was that difficult or was it easy? Because they'll all say, actually it was really easy. And so, you know, if your best performances feel easy, it's because you're not doing half as much as you think you need to. And uh, I, wow. think that's, 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 that's I think question.
0: that's the perfect place for us to end. Yeah, That's that's excellent. So if, if you're an athlete, uh, into fitness activities of any kind, give the Alexanders, find an Alexander teacher in your area, and we're going to put a link uh, next to this interview uh, when it's on the podcast to your site, which will have some links to various self, uh, basically self-help e based on the Alexander technique. I know you have one that you're working on right now, Specifically directed to golfers, but I believe you have another one that that really is more general in terms of fitness activities. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, um, as one for runners, one for talking about the zone
1: and how you can that's use the right. Alexander technique to get into the zone, uh, and yeah, one for golfers. And, and I'd say to people, and, it, and it's not unrealistic to say to sports people that if they go and find an Alexander teacher, they they will be able to show them something very quickly that they have not experienced before absolutely they won't have been shown before absolutely. And, uh, absolutely you know that's not an idle boast is it you know, no you it's, not. it's not
0: it's not it, it may take a little leap of faith for you yeah, the, absolutely the uh the skilled athlete to go to someone who may not be all that athletic themselves who, but may actually be able to show you something that will be of immense value to you so why don't we end the the conversation on that uh, on that note um my guest, this is Robert Rickover at um, Body Learning, and my guest today has been Roy Palmer, an Alexander Technique teacher who lives in Bedford, England. That's about fifty miles north of London. He's a- also an author of several uh, e-books, and uh, are some of your books not e-books? Are you have actual? Yeah, the, print- the,
1: um, Zone Mind Zobody Zone Body was published. Mind, yeah. Three so, years ago, and the, the golf book should be published in about another month's time.
0: So Roy is is a prolific author in this field, and we're going to put a link to a, a website that will in turn have links to all of his books and more information about him. Roy, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. Thank you, Robert. Thanks, thanks for the invite.